Let me read to you two scriptures. First, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And then in Romans chapter 3, verse 26, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what's it all about? I mean, flowers, songs, lights, food. What's it all about? Why, why, why does it matter? I'll attempt to explain the relevance of Christ's death and resurrection for you. The Bible itself is a story of recovery and restoration. It tells us how God reconciled fallen humanity to himself. Genesis tells us that the original creation of God was perfect and flawless. The first man was pure and blameless. He communed with God and he exercised dominion in the earth. But all of that changed when Adam sinned. Now, some folks in this world, they would tell you that the story of Adam and Eve is a fairy tale. That it's a lovely poem, but not something that should be taken literally. In fact, there's some people even in the church world that would say things like that. But it's interesting, in the Gospel of Luke, from chapter 3 to verse, verse 23 onward, Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus of Nazareth, actually through Joseph, who was not his biological father, but it doesn't matter for this purpose, traces the genealogy of Jesus all the way to Adam. That's interesting. Then again, Jesus affirmed his belief in the Genesis account in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4 when he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Paul certainly believed in the creation story. He refers to Adam by name six times in his epistles. But you know what? Even science confirms the Bible. True science is not at odds with the Scripture. Many linguists, you know, those who study language, many linguists believe that all modern languages can trace their roots back to a single common source. In other words, that originally they believe there was one language on earth. Then in 1987 a group of geneticists, you know, scientists who study genes, not blue genes, like DNA, your, your cell structure, that type of thing, geneticists. In 1987, they conducted a study 
which concluded that every person on earth right now can trace his or her lineage to a single common female ancestor who lived many thousands of years ago. Well, I knew that already. And he named her Eve because she was the mother of all living. Woo! On Mother's Day, remember Eve. (laughs) Now, God told Adam he was permitted to eat from every tree in the garden except one. And, of course, that's the one tree he was tempted to eat from. You can eat, you can have everything except this. No, I want that. Sin, at its root, is defiance and rebellion against God's authority. That's the essence of sin. In other words, if God said, everybody stand up, sin would say, I'm going to sit down. And if God said, sit down, sin would say, I'm standing up. It's just defiance against God's authority, you see. And it's interesting, the Lord had warned Adam. He said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, For in the day that you eat of it, from that tree, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But in the Hebrew language, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. In the Hebrew language, it actually says, dying, you shall die. Dying, you shall die. It speaks of two deaths. Well, Adam did eat from that tree, and he lived for 930 years. That's a pretty long life. It's certainly more than a day. Adam didn't die physically that day. He died spiritually. 930 years later, his body caught up with his dead spirit. Spiritual death is the problem. You need to know this. Man is a spirit being. He possesses a soul and he inhabits a body. See, Jesus himself said in John 4.24, in one translation, God is a spiritual being. See, God is a spirit. And since God created man in his likeness and image, man also must be a spirit being. Are you out there today? The Bible tells me that the Lord formed man's body, that first man's body, from dirt. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, you've got some good-looking dirt. (laughs) We spend a lot of time with our dirt. That's another sermon, isn't it? We wash it. Some of you color it. Some of these girls without cosmetics, you you don't recognize them. If you see them without their makeup, you think they have COVID. Are you all right? (laughs) Don't go there. Okay, I got to move on. That's not my message today. I may need marital counseling after this is over anyways. He formed that first man's body from dirt. But then Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So like a potter 
He molded the clay. God shaped the vessel. Then he filled it. The thing that made Adam alive came directly out of God. But God doesn't breathe. God doesn't need oxygen. God's not a man. In the Hebrew language, the word translated breath, neshama, something like that, also means spirit. He took something out of himself, spirit, and he put a spirit into that lifeless form. And then man became alive. And Adam's sin, let's go a little deeper. Adam's sin was not a mistake. Sin isn't a mistake. You know, sometimes when people testify, they say, well, you know, I've made some mistakes in my life. Sin is not an accident. Sin is a choice. (laughs) Nobody committed adultery by accident. (laughs) I walked in the room and I slipped on a banana peel and I fell in the bed and there was a woman that, no, 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 no. That is not what happened. Sin is not a mistake. Adam's sin was not a mistake. The Bible tells us that the devil deceived his wife, Eve. You know, men, God, the devil's always going to try to attack your wife. You probably know that already, don't you? So you've got you to protect that woman. The devil's going to attack your wife. And, and the devil deceived his wife, Eve. She believed the serpent's lies. But Adam was not fooled, which is worse. I said, that's worse. Because he went into this with his eyes wide open. He knew what he was doing. Many years later in the book of Hosea, God was actually talking about the children of Israel. He compares them to Adam. And he said this, Hosea chapter 6, verse 7 Like Adam, they, meaning the Israelites, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. That means Adam had a covenant. Like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There, they dealt faithlessly with me. The New King James translation says, there, they dealt treacherously with me. In other words, Adam betrayed God. He didn't eat a poison apple. He defected. He switched sides. He joined the ranks of the spiritually dead beings in this universe of which Satan is the head. Adam did to God in the Garden of Eden what Judas did to the Son of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. He betrayed him. Now, I mean, he sinned, he died spiritually. Spiritual death is the problem. Spiritual death is being separated and estranged from God. Adam was once joined to God. But sin disconnected him. We could say, in essence, 
you could think of it this way, when he sinned, Adam divorced God. And Adam's spirit became dead to God. Spiritual things are eternal. They can't be destroyed. He didn't cease to have a spirit, but the man on the inside was dead to God. Before he sinned, his spirit was the dominant force in his life. The spiritual realm was more real to him than the physical realm. Friend, he did not see God walking in the garden with his physical eyes. Because John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 18, no man has ever seen God at any time. That man would include Adam. He did not see God with his physical eyes. He sensed God's presence with his spirit. He could hear God's voice with his spirit just as clearly as you could hear my voice with your ears. Spiritual things were dominant in his life. Think about this. I've mentioned this to you before, but think about this. Man is the jewel of God's creation. Yet there are many animals that have keener senses than men. Dogs can hear sounds that people cannot. Eagles can see further, have better vision than men. A shark can detect blood in the water, sometimes up to a kilometer away. We don't have that, that, those kind of sense, senses because that first man wasn't supposed to live by his physical senses. He was supposed to live by his spirit. That's how he was supposed to navigate through this world. Hallelujah. When Adam sinned, his inward nature changed. We could say it this way. He got born again in reverse. There was a transformation in his life. That's for sure. The Bible says his eyes were open. Yeah, but not in a good way. He became a sinner. And a sinner in the Bible is not just a person who commits a sin. No, no. It means he became the property of Satan. He became a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. His, inward, his heart became darkened. Why do people do the things they do? Because it's their nature. The people of this world, they don't need to be just reformed. Maybe just give them a little money, you know, give them a little education. You know, put a roof over their house. Those things are all nice, and those things can make life more enjoyable. But the problem with man, the heart of the problem, is the problem of the heart, and no man can change his own heart. Only God can. Are you out here today? Hallelujah. So we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, you're thinking, this is Easter? Hang on, hang on, hang on. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we read, sin came into the world through one man. In other words, what he means is, I think what he means is the nature of sin entered into the human race through Adam. Now think about it this way. 
We digital, digitally, oh, that's not easy to say, we digitally record all of our services, even right now. So that initial recording, we call a master copy. So, and from that, we make duplicate, duplicate files in various formats like MP3 or you know, video clips that we uploaded, that type of thing. So if I sneeze, in the middle of my sermon, it will be recorded on the master copy. And then every duplicate we make from the master copy will have that sneeze. Years ago, while I was preaching, right in the middle of my sermon, I, I burped. I belched. <laughs> right in the middle of a word, like let's open our Bibles, you know, it just came right out in the middle. And everybody in the congregation just looked at me. Some of them thought it was a Greek or Hebrew word, you know. Uh, <laughs> others were waiting for the interpretation. <laughs> I just said, excuse me, and continued on with my message. Hallelujah. Now, we have people that are supposed to edit those things out. Sometimes they, they, they don't catch it. Hallelujah. So everything that is reproduced from the master copy will have that defect in it. Adam was the master copy. His sinful nature was passed on to all humanity through birth. Hallelujah. The spirit of a baby, where does it come from? Does it come from the parents or does it come from God? You don't know. It comes from God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9, it calls God the Father of spirits. Think about this. Even if the mother and the father are absolutely wicked, their newborn is just as innocent as every other baby. I mean, how many of you, if a little infant is being dedicated... How many of you would pray, oh, Lord, please forgive him all of the sins he must have committed while he was in the womb? Only a dingling would pray like that. He hasn't committed any sins. <laughs> Are you out there today? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and see if he's a dingling. If you don't know what a dingling is, it's probably you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the spirit of that baby from his mother's womb came from the father, from God, I mean. But the fleshly nature was inherited from our parents, from Adam. That's why it's difficult sometimes to discipline your own children because they look like a little miniature version of you. Some people just lie and say, I don't know where that kid got that from. I know where he got it from. He got it from you, Buster. <laughs> you know, children, they look like their parents and they start acting like their parents. The good, the bad, and the ugly. They just start acting like them. Why? Because of this stuff. Because of the flesh. But here's, again, Romans 5.12 says, And death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of sin. Because all have sinned, I should say. 
He's actually talking about spiritual death. So here's what you need to know. What happened to Adam happened to every man. Each of us has had his or her own original sin, just like Adam. Once we were alive to God, but through the weakness of the flesh, the Adamic nature, we sinned, and then we also died spiritually. Think about this. We all know that Jesus came to reconcile us to God, right? You cannot reconcile strangers. Two people have never met. How can they be reconciled? They don't even know each other. Because at one point you knew God. Your spirit came from God. When you were a newborn, when you were an infant, when you were a toddler, when you were a small child, I don't know, I don't know when it changed, but your spirit came from God. You see, all of us entered this world just like Adam. Naked and unashamed and innocent. Are you out there today? When I was a, a little toddler, I suppose, um, my mother sang in the church choir, in the Presbyterian church. That's God's frozen people. And she took me to their choir practice often, uh, like in a little bassinet, you know, like a little, a little a seat, you know. And she told me that as the choir began to sing their hymns, practice, I would chime in. And with all of my might, just begin singing with them. God knew I had something to do with all this stuff, you know. I began to just sing. And they, the people in the choir got tickled that he would just, that I would just start singing out loud, don't even know the tune or the words, you know, like that. Some of you don't know the tune or the words either, but just start singing out loud, you know. And, uh, but really what that means is my little heart was rejoicing in God. You know, when, when, when Pastor Jeppe was uh, carrying our daughter, Victoria, we attended a church service uh, uh, in America, and as they began, began to worship God, as the music started, they began to praise God, that baby in her womb jumped up and began jumping up and down. Why? I, I don't think it was just because there was a sound, because there's sounds all day long from different sources. I think that little baby was rejoicing in God. Hallelujah. But later, as a child, something happened to me. I became a different person. When I was four years old, my parents went away on a trip and my grandmother looked, at, looked after me. And she told me, when your folks come back, you're going to get a surprise. Oh, wow. So when my uh, mom and dad came back, they actually first gave me a toy. I guess, I, don't, uh, I guess to pacify me or just, you know, we didn't forget you. And I don't know why they chose this toy, but it was a toy gun that fired rubber darts. You loaded it and pop and shot these little darts. And then they grabbed me by the shoulders and they escorted me into one room and said, here's the surprise. And before me was a crib with a baby, an infant, newborn. And they said, this is your new brother. And I had that toy gun in my hand. <laughs> he 
it's just the devil, you know, it's just, it's the flesh. And I held that gun right at him and fired a dot, hit him right in the forehead. This newborn baby, he's less than a week old. And he began screaming bloody murder. And my grandmother grabbed me by the collar and pulled me out of the room as fast as lightning. And she rushed me down the hall and threw me into the bedroom and, and said, lock the door and don't come out. And I heard my father come roaring like a mad bull saying, I'll kill him, I'll kill him, I'll kill him. Thank God he, he calmed down. And when I came out, they all smiled and I guess I was, I'm still alive today. I mean, <laughs> and when I was growing up, I, I tormented my brother. I played cruel pranks on him. I don't have time to tell you all these things. It's really a miracle that he's not a psychological nutcase today. Amen. Hallelujah. And I didn't care. I said I didn't care. Why? Because I had a heart of stone. But thank God, one spring day, kind of like today, sitting in a Sunday school classroom, I heard the gospel. And I invited Jesus to come into my heart. And I received him as my Savior and Lord. And I passed from death into life. And I inherited Christ's nature through a new birth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, a few questions. Why didn't God prevent Adam from sinning? Why didn't God stop him? Why didn't God swoop down and slap the fruit out of his hand and say, no, you don't. Uh-uh. No, sir. Not on my watch. Put that back. I told you not to touch that. Why not? He let it happen, didn't he? Well, what would God do the next time Adam was tempted? Step in again and again and again. God didn't want a robot who had no choice but to obey him. He gave man a free will because he wanted someone who would choose to love him. See, you, you single gals, you want a man who will choose to love you. Not a man who says, I love you only when we point a gun at his head. I don't know, some of you seem to be okay with that. I don't know, but I'm just guessing. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, why didn't God just kill Adam and then make another Adam? Okay, what's he going to do when that second guy sins? Kill him too? Make another one? Kill him too? Just start, you know, the, the, the entire population of the earth would just be one person for about five minutes. No, that wouldn't work. Okay, why didn't God, right at that moment, step in, forgive Adam, recreate his spirit, and give him eternal life? then the Bible would just be three chapters long. That's it. It wouldn't be a book. It'd be a tract. The answer to that question is found in the other scripture we read, Romans 3.26. Bear with me. I, I know this is Easter. I'm getting there. Okay, bear with me. Is that okay? Is it all set? Okay. Can we get it set? Praise the Lord. Notice Romans 3.26. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Notice that, that he might be just 
and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The problem of redemption was not a problem of power. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. It was a problem of legality. Making man righteous had to be done righteously. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? God could not sin in order to take away man's sin. It had to be done legally. If God simply overlooked man's sin and ignored it, then he would be acting unjustly. He would be an unjust judge, and that would be sin for him. So here's what I want to say. Adam's sin presented God with a dilemma. A dilemma is when there's two choices and neither one of them is good. On the one hand, justice demands retribution, that he be punished. But on the other hand, God loves mankind and he doesn't want him to suffer eternal, the eternal penalty for his sins. So God had a solution. What was it? Substitution. Substitution. Throughout the Old Testament, we see the principle of substitution. And every sacrifice that the Israelites offered for sin, the innocent took the place of the guilty. Substitution is why we're here today. Substitution is why the cross is relevant for our lives. Substitution is why you're saved. During the reign of Napoleon, men were conscripted into the French army by a lottery system. Their names were picked like out of a hat, so to speak. The authorities informed one man that he had been drafted. But he told them, I cannot serve in the army because I was killed two years ago on the battlefield. They questioned that man's insanity, sanity, but when they checked the military records, they discovered it's true. His name is listed here serving in the military two years ago and died in battle. So they said to him, how can this be since you're obviously alive? He said, when my name was selected, a good friend took my place and he went in my name and there he died where I should have been. Not knowing what to do, this case was referred to Emperor Napoleon, and he ruled that the country has no legal claim on this man. He was freed from that military service because a substitute had been found. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. Are you listening to me? Spiritually dead men cannot take the place of other spiritually dead men. The guilty cannot die for the guilty. And since every man born of Adam is sinful, God himself in the Son of God came into this world through a supernatural birth. Just like Adam had a unique creation, no one else had a story just like that. So the second Adam, the last Adam, came through a miraculous conception the first master copy was flawed, so God made a new one. Are you out there today? 
Give me just a couple more minutes of your time. So Jesus not only suffered physically on the cross, he suffered spiritually. He not only took our sin, but according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he became sin. There was darkness at noon, and his spirit was separated from the Father. Have you ever wondered why on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was separated from his father. When he died, my friends, you should know this, when he breathed out his last, his spirit went down, descended into hell. He himself said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so I will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There in hell, he must have suffered unimaginable torments. We can, we can only guess. We, we couldn't comprehend. But Psalm 16, verse 10 says of Christ, listen to this, you will not abandon my soul in Hades. That means he did go down, but he didn't leave him there. On the third day, my friends, is anybody listening to me right now? I said, on the third day. I said, is anybody out there today right now? On the third day, God looked down from heaven and he declared, it is enough. Hallelujah. He has satisfied the claims of justice. He has paid the price in full. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, meaning in his spirit. If he was made alive in his spirit, that means first he was dead in his spirit. Where did that happen? On the cross. He never sinned, but he became sin with your sin and with my sin. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, and he was justified in the spirit. That means he was declared righteous in his spirit. When did that happen? When he was raised from the dead. In Psalm 2, verse 7, it tells us what the Father said when he raised Jesus from the dead. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. That's not what God said in Bethlehem, in the manger at Christmas. That's what the Father said at the resurrection on Easter, the day we're celebrating right now. You are my son, and today I have begotten you. I have given birth to your spirit. Hallelujah. What are you saying? Whatever happened to Jesus's spirit in the resurrection is exactly what happened to your spirit when you were born again. Whatever happened to Jesus in his spirit, in his resurrection, re resurrection, when he was raised from that, that's exactly what you experienced when you were born again. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. He became like us in his death so that we could become like him in his resurrection. Hallelujah. He became as we were so that we could become as he is right now. 
fact, the Bible says, and as he is, so are we in this world. So because he's our substitute, everything he accomplished in his death and resurrection has been credited to our account. That's why Paul could say, like that French soldier in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. In the mind of God, we died with him, we were raised up with him, and now we are seated with him in heavenly places. Can somebody shout glory? What he did, he didn't do for himself, he did for you. We know that he didn't die for himself, he died for us. But did you realize he wasn't even raised from the dead for himself? That also was for you, to give you eternal life, a new life. Hallelujah! The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, he was crucified in weakness, but lives, he lives by the power of God. If we share in his death, we also share in his resurrection because he's our substitute. What he did has been credited to our account. Friends, Jesus did not stagger out of the tomb, dazed and confused, dejected and depressed. He emerged victorious. He said, all hail, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We do not have a defeated life. We have a victorious life in Christ. That means he restored to us the dominion that Adam lost. And now we reign as kings, the Bible says. We reign as kings in life through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that means that resurrection power is working in you now. Think about that. At the last day, there will be a resurrection. And our bodies will be transfigured, glorified. One day you'll have a body just like Christ's body. Perfect, sinless, eternal. That'll be a glorious day. No more gray hairs. No more hair color. (laughs) No more pimples. No more cavities. No more bad breath. Hey, Jeppy, no more bad breath. (laughs) In the morning, I turn and I say, good morning. And she says, it's not good. I turn. (laughs) Halitosis. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, and that actually means physically, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. At the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will arise and we will be changed. We who remain shall be changed faster than you can blink your eye. What a glorious day. But in closing, Was all this, what a long sermon, Pastor John. Was all this really necessary? Couldn't God do this some way simpler? Is there a shortcut? I mean, do we have to take the long way home? Well, Jesus answered that question for us in Gethsemane. Facing his imminent crucifixion, he prayed, 
If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And the answer is, if there was another way, God would have done it. This is the only way. It had to be this way. The Son of God had to die for us, and he had to be raised from the dead. That's the only way. Then what is required of us? Only this, that we believe. That we put our trust in him. That we accept him as our Savior and our substitute. Embrace him as our Redeemer. And confess him as our Lord. God is not asking you to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world. He's not asking you to endure the horrors of hell. He's not even asking you to defeat the devil and to rise again victorious over sin in the grave. He did that. He did that. He's only asking you to believe it and receive it. I'm so glad as I stand here today that in that spring morning many years ago, I made the best decision of my life. On that day, the old John Routon died and a new life began. And so that's why I'm here. That's why we're all here today. And I'll give you a little secret. Even in heaven, we will rejoice in this forever and ever that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace toward us through Christ Jesus. Eternity itself is not long enough for us to praise him. Would you stand with me to your feet this wonderful morning?